You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real pain. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to stream. You can also visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more info about PCLB and visit our event tab to see what's going on this month. Lastly, like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at PC Las Vegas. Thank you again and enjoy the message. Get Pastor Fernando, amen, a hand clap as he comes up, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor, so much. Wow. How impressed I am every time. Last time I came here was with my wife, and, um, you know, we had such a great time. And uh, first impressions are always important. Every time you walk in the door, you can sense a spirit of excellence in this place, from the greeters to the ushers to the cleanliness and, the, and just uh, e- even just the ministry flowing from here. So it's great to be here with you. Who's from Santa Ana? All right, so we got a few from Santa Ana, my neighborhood down there. I'm North Orange County. But, yeah, uh, how gracious your pastor is, Pastor Art, because, uh, you know, as I look at Facebook, you know, keep up with Facebook, every once in a while I'll see uh, uh, somebody from, uh, you know, Southern California or whatever. They they probably do the same thing. Hey, Pastor Art, I'm going to be in Vegas visiting, and he puts them in there, and so I always see these different people in there. But thank you for releasing that and uh, and allowing me to, to minister. And I told him, and I meant this, I would have been here anyway. Because, uh, you know, I, I go to church on Sunday morning. I, you know, we're, we're on vacation or what. So I really uh, appreciate that. Praise the Lord. I do feel I have a, a word for you. And this sermon today is to the church and for the pastor. And, and so I, I have the uh, rare opportunity to be able to uh, minister, not so much on behalf of your pastor, but having been a pastor for 25 plus years, 26 years now, uh, I, I just feel that I, I, I know what every church needs. You know, I just have that feeling. I give me some credit for being out there all these years. So, uh, amen. So, uh, really appreciate the, uh, the full service that this church provides as well. After hearing those announcements, you guys are involved in everything. But, but that's the way it should be. I mean, you're, you're t- all the announcements, we've got outreach, we've got prayer. You know, we've got all these things going on. That's what keeps the church alive. Isn't that right? So. Uh, I want to go ahead and get started, and uh, I, I gave some thought to what what contributes to longevity. Why is it that so many of us are still here after having gone through some of the trials? And the, the brother that was uh, up here leading prayer was talking about, "Hey, we all go through things." Anybody that doesn't admit to that is is just got to come to an awakening because all of us, no matter where you live, no matter how much you earn, what you wear, what you drive. Everybody goes through some trials. So what is it? What were the disciplines that contributed to, I don't know, I, I just say, I'll just put myself in there. What, what contributes to me still being here after all of these years serving God? You being here all these years after serving God. What carries all of us through uh, our walk with God year after year after year in victory? So my answer to that is the same answer that believers of the New Testament church had for their victory and their longevity. 
And and I mentioned that too, Pastor Art. I came in and and I've already got some familiar faces in here for me. Where hey, still here? Hey, still here? You know, I say that because it it says volumes about you, and your life and God when you're able to still be in church after so many years. I think it's great. So I want to share with you three of the most powerful words ever written about the New Testament church. And these three words are key to serving God over the long haul for all of us. You rarely, if ever, hear a sermon on these words because, quite frankly, they're not very dynamic in and of themselves. Yet they reveal the reason for the phenomenal spread and the endurance of the New Testament church. I mean, we read about it all the time. How many have read the book of Acts? How powerful was that? I mean, just to see the birthing of the New Testament church and see how things just began to happen and God was with them and there was anointing uh, flowing, salvations, thousands, all all these things were happening. But listen, I, I believe with all my heart that what we're about to read together here this morning is one of the keys, if not the key, to the success of the longevity, the power, the anointing, the salvations that the New Testament church experienced. So let's read these three overlooked, underestimated, and undervalued words together. I'll be reading out of the uh, the NIV Bible, the New International, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're going to put it up on the board right here so you can read it with me. All right? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, NIV, and it says what? Give me those first three words. They devoted themselves. Say it again with me. They devoted, one more time, they devoted themselves. What did they devote themselves to? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All these things that came through your announcements today. Can you say amen? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers. How many believers? All All the believers, all the church were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Give me an eraser, some white. We got to get rid of that, that one, don't we? My God. I mean, it was such a revival. The Bible says they were so sold out for God that, that all the believers together had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to people that were in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. How often did they do that? When? Just on Sunday? No, every day. Imagine that. You know, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with, uh, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. If there's a title of this sermon, I'm going to entitle it those three words. They devoted themselves. I want you to see that the early church thrived on a devotion to God that came from within themselves. The energy and the motivation for living a Christian life in the early church, uh, which are our roots, by the way, right? They came from within the people, not from external stimulus. Their zeal didn't come from programs, but a genuine experience with Jesus Christ. Their zeal was there. It was evident. A move of God that brought strength, that brought stamina, and ultimately longevity to their walk with God. Like I said, that says volumes about anybody, your longevity. And one of the greatest assets that the New Testament church had was their devotion to the Lord. That's why I want to minister this, because I want to let everyone here know that the key to your success, the key to your longevity, the key to the anointing in your life, your ability to be able to walk in victory and not backslide, is not the pastor. Thank God for the pastor. We need him here. Is not the worship team. Thank God we got a worship team. It's not the beautiful building. Thank God we have a place, a cool place to worship the Lord. 
But the key to success in God is within you. They devoted themselves. They were telling the apostles in our text, you don't have to worry about us showing up for church on Sunday or Wednesday. You don't have to worry about us having Bible study. You don't have to bribe or coerce us to go to an outreach. You don't have to worry about me reading my Bible or having a prayer life. We are devoted all by ourselves. The church was making a statement here. These wonderful church people were making a statement. Our devotion isn't springing up from a refined program or fancy delivery. I know it's okay. Fog machines, laser beams, all that's fine. That's not, I, I know that's all right. But that's not where our success and our growth and our stability lies. And they were saying those things, that's not what keeps us interested or involved. We got saved. These people got saved. And because we're saved, we have within us a divine gene that's been put there by God, and we want to serve the Lord. We want to give. We want to be here. Without persuasion or perspiration from leadership, we are devoted all by ourselves. Hallelujah. Thank God for the phone calls, but if pastor doesn't call me, I'll still be there. See, some people think that that's the pastor's job, you know. How come you don't go to Praise Chapel LV anymore? Well, you know, the pastor hasn't called me in almost a year. Do you know what his job is? To call me, to visit me, to give me thank you cards. His job description is found in Scripture and it is this, if I have to tell you in a nutshell what the pastor's responsibility is, when he answers to God someday, it's going to be this. You ready? It's going to be, and it's in Scripture, it's in two places, but it's the fact that he is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I, I, thought, I thought it was just to, to make sure that I was okay and that, you know, Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Preach a word from God. Create an environment or help create that environment that's conducive to God moving in your life and blessing you and getting you trained up to meet this world with victory. Amen? So what it meant was in, this, in, in here, you know, they wanted to do these things. David said, I was glad when they said, let me go to church. Right? Remember that scripture? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. It wasn't, you know, we have to go to church. I was glad when he said to me, let's go to church, which meant that leadership was released to do what they do best, and that is lead. Today, far too much emphasis is placed on what the pastor can do for you. And the Bible says, again, he's, he's here to equip you for the work of the ministry. And one of the things you don't read about in the Bible is leaders being buried doing things that most of congregations feel they have to do today to keep people. Can I be real and honest? If you could bring somebody from the early church that we're reading about and drop them into our churches today, I think they'd be shocked at how much time we have to put into persuading and convincing, almost bordering on nagging people about things that we shouldn't even really need to talk about because, after all, you got saved. Much of the church today has become soft and codependent. 
I know it's going to get really quiet here in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Should have stayed at his hotel over there at the Strip. But in the New Testament church, the people had as much desire for the church as the pastor did and the apostles did. It, and it wasn't if, if leadership doesn't inspire us into it, we might not get involved. It, it wasn't about it depends on how good they sell the program to us or nobody followed up on me. You know, I looked up at the Bible to find where the follow-up programs were, and guess what? I didn't find any. Go ahead and read the New Testament. I didn't find. No, I know, I know we follow up and all that, but where was the follow-up program for the 3,000 people that got saved on the day of Pentecost? If there was ever an opportunity for the Lord to show us how to follow up, it would have been right there. 3,000 people being saved in one day, that would need some major strategic planning to follow up and to make sure that everybody got plugged in and assimilated, which is the big word today. Pastors need to learn all about assimilation. Yet the early church knew nothing about elaborate, demanding, high-energy follow-up programs. Come on, church, because follow-up in the Bible was a total opposite of what it is today. In all of the New Testament, Jesus never followed up on one person his whole life. I checked it out. Well, I won't be going to Jesus' church. What actually happened was this. The people followed up on him. Wow, how's that for an idea? Jesus never got their address. They got his address. Jesus never got their phone number. They got his phone number. He said, come to me. All you ever read the Bible, just come and follow me. He says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. He said, drop your nets and follow me. The classic example was the guy called Legion. Demon possessed by a legion of demons. I looked that up. That's up to 6,000 devils. And you thought your husband was possessed. He's, he's, he's only got two or three demons. This, we're... Everybody's going, don't manifest on me here this morning. But really, let's be honest. If anybody ever needed follow-up, it was this demon-possessed guy. A legion of demons. He needed some serious follow-up. He needed some assimilation. He needed a phone call. You find him clinging and begging to go with Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus told this guy, go back to the town that you terrorized and show him the good things that God did for you. That was his follow-up. That was it. Imagine that. What kind of follow-up is that? No counseling sessions, no therapy, no phone calls, no visitation, no Facebook messages, no letters, no flyers. Out there on his own. Why? Are you ready for this? Because Jesus believed that if he, if he touches somebody's life, once you're really saved, once you've been delivered by the power of God, maybe that's good enough. You know what I'm finding out 2,017 years later, after this was written? Saved isn't what it used to be in many churches. Whatever happened to save? Today we have saved, but we have all these additives just in case saved isn't good enough for you. Now, I, I got I to gotta give you a disclaimer here because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me saying, oh, we got follow-up. Maybe that's not God's. No, no. We, I'm not. No, no. I'm just telling you that the key to your longevity is not connected to all the extras that the New 
that the churches nowadays feel they have to add to church to make it, you know, come on, people go to church now and they're looking for the benefit for themselves. They forget it's the house of worship. They forget it's where the breaking of bread, the teaching of the gospel, the you know, come the impartation, the equipping, all of these. Instead, people come to church. I'll be honest with you. Today we have saved, but we have all these things. There's all this persuasion, coercion, follow-up, attention. If we don't have a if we don't have a raffle, you ain't coming. You know, it's just it, just in case Jesus by himself is not good enough. And it seems like Jesus, somebody got it, okay. It seems like Jesus, Jesus' approach was the opposite of what ours is today. He didn't tell them, don't miss this, don't miss that. I mean, if you're truly saved, I mean, we put it on the screen, we put it on the calendar, we put it over here, we make announcements. Oh, I forgot. And we can't do anything more than we already do, except knock on your door. And then, of course, if we did that, out of love, you'd say, they're pressuring me. Don't, don't let me scare you. Don't let me get you. Don't get me wrong. We, we believe in the courtesies of informing you as to what's happening in the church. But the difference is that today, much of what pastors and leaders do is based out of fear that you won't come back. They devoted themselves. Save people should want to come back. Well, you're not hearing me this morning. And this was the magic, uh, for lack of a better word, of the early revival of our fellowship at Praise Chapel. It was phenomenal, a revival that's spilled over to all of our churches, even to this day. That You know, as I'm sitting here and standing here, worshiping the Lord, listening to announcements, listening to your pastor, I go, this is Praise Chapel all the way. There's a DNA. It's been carried over through the years. We want to be here. Why? Because we're saved. I mean, really saved. When I got saved, I wanted to be everywhere God was. They devoted themselves. Now, what did they devote themselves again to? Real quick, to the apostles' teaching. It's not like... They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple. They devoted themselves. My gosh, I'm going to tell you right now, if your pastors could find a handful of people that will devote themselves without external stimulus, without bribing, without coercing, without pushing, without... It's a devotion within you. And that's why you're here this morning. With all the devils thrown your way, you're still here. How many could raise your hand and say, if it hadn't been for Jesus, where would I be? We used to sing a song years ago. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Good choir song. But today, pastors find themselves under enormous pressure. People are leaving their churches for the one down the street. Why? Elaborate lighting displays, laser beams, fog machines. And, and let me be honest with you. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but there's a whole lot of people that if, it, if you don't have that, they won't go. These are people who don't really want church. They want pizza and a clown. 
And if that's what you're after, go to Disneyland. They do a way better job than the church can do with lasers and lights and fog. But we're still here because we got saved. Can you say amen? God touched us because he put something inside of us. Because we're here because God has never failed us. He's closer than a brother. He's our God. He's our father. He's a miracle worker. And he's still doing the miraculous. God is God and he never changes. He says, I'm God and I change not. Listen, church, I know a lot of things have changed. Fads, music. Styles change. I mean, look at me. I'm still wearing. My kids sometimes, Dad, nobody wears that anymore. One, one Christmas, one of my kids got me skinny jeans and, and pointed shoes. I felt like Pinocchio when I tried them on. I had to take them off. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, I know things change. Come on, culture's changing. Guys are looking prettier than women nowadays. <laughs> They're showing up with their the holes in their shirts. Look like a shotgun blasted at them. Wrinkled up shirts. I asked one guy at church, what kind of knot did you tie in your shirt before you put it on this morning? Okay, I get it. Styles change. I get it. I know that. That's okay. That's okay. But some things shouldn't change. I said some things shouldn't change. There must be absolutes. If there are no absolutes, you'll draw your own lines and make your own rules. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the word of God has been given to us so we can last a lifetime serving God. If you look at the book of Acts, are you still with me, church? People came from all walks of life. I love that. It was a melting pot of ethnicity and culture. Yet the Bible says they had all things in common. Catch that now. We were, people were getting saved from different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds. Uh, everything was different. But they all came together, and the Bible says, wait a minute, when God moves. See, I believe the church should be a bouquet of flowers. Not just, oh, we're a white church, we're a black church, we're a Hispanic church. We're this. We are the church. And anybody can come in here and sense the power of God and get saved. When I first came to Praise Chapel, <laughs> I, I'll just tell you I'm a white boy. You know, I mean, you know, I'm half. My name's Fernando Vicario. My dad was Mexican. My dad was white. But everybody, I never fit in anywhere because when I went around the Hispanics, they said you're a white boy. When I went around white people, they say you're you're Mexican. Where does that put you? And when I came to Praise Chapel, the first guy that I ran into says, "Where are you from, eh?" And I told him Kaiser Permanente. I I didn't I didn't know I didn't I didn't come from that. These guys had testimonies of prison, drugs, gangs. My first ever testimony, Pastor Art, was at Praise Chapel. My first ever testimony was in front of the church there. And you know who gave their testimony before I got up there? They had two testimonies. They put Bob Amescua up there. I've been stabbed three times, and he shows you where, you know. I've been stabbed three times. I was shot, you know. I, I married my wife under uh, gunpoint. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. You talk about a shotgun wedding. I mean, he's up there, and then they, they say, Fernando, it's your, it's your turn. You know, I get up there, and I'm thinking, well, I stole an eraser in the third grade. And, you know, I didn't know what to say. I thought a cholo was a new flavor at Baskin Robbins. I didn't know what this was all about. You talk about a different culture. 
I thought Stacy Adams was the guest speaker for that week. <laughs> when I saw guys wearing bandanas outside the church, I said, honey, they've all had the same head injury. But I'm still here because God, come on, because the Bible says when you get saved and you go to church, it becomes a melting pot. We're all together in the spirit of God. And even though we have different testimonies, different backgrounds, come on, you wouldn't even be sitting where you are if you knew who was really sitting behind you in the old days. But we're all saved and God has done a work in our lives. And so we have all things in common. We can come together and worship the Lord, be in one spirit and one mind. And out of this fellowship has come the greatest friendships anybody could ever hope for, even though I was so different than so many Praise Chapel people when I came. But I stayed faithful to this fellowship because God called me, and I've always believed, and I'll share it with you, you ought to grow where you've been planted. You know what happens when you pull something out of the planter and you replant it and replant it. Too many replants, it starts dying and wilting. You better grow where God puts you. Been in this fellowship for over 33 years now. And I still find myself accountable to my pastors. And I think I've earned the right to stand here and say I'm still here. Not that I'm any better than anybody else, but every once in a while I think about that. I go, wow, I'm still here. All these years, when I first got saved, I remember one of my first prayers was this. And I'm not exaggerating. I, my first prayer as a young man when I got saved is, I hope this lasts. Because nothing lasted in my life. Nothing good ever really lasted. Every hope was dashed. Everything was, you know, I come from brokenness in my home and, and all of these things. And, I, you know, I, I just said, Lord, is this real? Is this going to last? Well, here I am. Over 40 years later. I've changed a little bit since then. Pastor's put on a little bit of weight. I have a solar heater up here I never had when I started out. But God hasn't changed. That's why I can worship him and still sense that same spirit and that same miraculous flow through my life. I'll, it was just the other day that I was driving. I told my son here over the weekend where I just said, I, I, I felt like weeping. I felt like crying on the road. I'm driving. And I said, God, you've been so good to me. And it wasn't because of the car I was driving or the house I live in. It had nothing to do with that. I said, God, you've been so good to me. And I'm still here. My wife asked me, listen, my wife asked me, it's the grace of God. My, ass, my, 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 my Liz asked me, what's your desire for 2017 when it came to the new year of 2017? You know what? You're hearing it right now. I want to see God's people return to a divine devotion to the things of God. I want to see an attitude of perseverance in the church. This was the DNA of the early church, and now we have a reverse flow. We're, we're getting worn out trying to convince people who are supposed to be saved to come. Like I said before, pastors are exhausting themselves, chasing after reluctant people. Something I've learned in over 26 years of pastoring a church, people we have to chase will take even more energy to keep. I know you get mad. The follow-up. There we go again. There's no follow-up. Listen, he's, your pastors need to work with people that want to be worked with. And there's only so much energy and so many hours a day. And he's a working pastor on top of that. 
I did that for six years, and I was like, I, I didn't know what to do, man. I was, I was on my, my wit's end. It's very difficult to work a full-time job and pastor a church. But people that we have to chase take so much more energy to keep. We have to stop worrying about who didn't show up, who's missing, who left the church, because you can't build a church on people that aren't there. And that's cold-blooded. No, it's survival. Pastor doesn't care. Yes, I do. Are you kidding? For a pastor to pour out his heart and his life and, you know, everything he's got into people to have you walk out and say, there's no love in this place. I'm talking about reluctant people who sit home waiting for the pastor to call to prove that he loves them. And if we don't, they leave. Got quiet again. Pastor, I have a word for you. It's a word that God gave me, and I don't think he gave it to me because I'm to be a kind. He gave it to me because I was pastoring a flock. I was the under-shepherd. I am the under-shepherd of a flock, and I'm going to give this to you. The Lord spoke to me one day when I was going through a difficult time with people. People are funny. I'll just say this as a pastor, and you can draw your own conclusion. If you took people out of my life, I wouldn't have any problems. You ever think about that? Think about any problem. Think about any problem you've ever gone through. Unless you're sick in your body, somebody's attached to that. Right? My ex. There's a reason why they say ex. They're your ex. Move on. Anybody ever been offended? Nobody here. I said, anybody ever been offended by somebody? Anybody here ever been burned by somebody? Anybody ever feel like you got run over by somebody? And that was bad enough, but when they put it in reverse to make sure you were really dead, that really hurts. Right? Come on. I mean, they, they, they make sure that they'll come back again. and no, Those are the ones that really hurt. But the truth is, listen, God has placed people in your life to refine you, not to destroy you, but to build character in you and to toughen you up so that you can make it through like these people did in the New Testament. There are many enemies. The Bible even says, and there are many adversaries. The moment you got saved, there was a target painted on your back. I mean, you became a target of the devil. You say, well, you know, it seems like I got saved and I have all these problems. Well, yeah, you've never faced them before. You just lived in it. I said, you just lived in your problem. You, you would sin and not even care. You had some deep-rooted problems, but they didn't surface till you got a hold of God because light and dark collide. Had somebody come to my church years ago when I was at my storefront church there, and I had somebody come, and this guy says, Pastor, I, I can't stay in this church. I said, well, why? Why not? Well, it seems like every time I try to commit myself uh, to the Lord, uh, every time I start walking with the Lord, uh, then, then the devil just, I have a front-end collision with the devil every time. And I, you know what I told him? I said, good. He looks at me like, what kind of pastor are you? I said, good. At least you know you're going in opposite directions. It's when you can sin and, and, and live a life of compromise and nothing seems to convict you anymore. A good sermon used to draw you to the altar, and now you just sit there. Because after all, we've been around a long time now. We don't need altars. 
Man, you came to the wrong service today. Nobody, nobody kicks a dead dog. If you're not doing anything, you think the devil's going to bother you? If you're not doing anything for God, you think he's going to get in your way? He's going to let you go your way. But as soon as you make a stand and say, I want to be somebody in the kingdom of God. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better believer, a better Christian. Then you better believe the devil's going to throw what he's got at you. But now you can say, bring it on because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's where all these scriptures come in, by the way, not just a little memorized thing. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. No, 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 we don't pray like that anymore. See, I just got the first test of this passage. I offended somebody. Because Tia Concha's here, and she, she's... <laughs> I know that. Hello. Are you with me? We're just having fun. I just, I just want you to last. I, I, I would love to, I'd love to come here in another year or three years or whenever it is that we cross paths again and be able to say, mm, there she is. She's still here. He's still here. That brother here is still here. He was here before. He's still here. I love that. That says a lot. And he's, he's not still here because he never goes through trials. He's still here because he goes through trials, and he makes it in victory. I'm still trying to find that family that, you know, they have all these talk shows and all these dysfunctional families. I, I'm still trying to find a family that's not dysfunctional. I've never met one yet. There's always something. There's always something in the bloodline, in the family tree. There's always that uncle that we hide from everybody. Come on. Right? There's been dysfunction since the garden. Sometimes we just got to work through that. Amen. But let me get back. I'm going to actually conclude. The Lord spoke to me when I was going through a difficult time with people. That's what started me on that road. None of that was in my notes. I'm just telling you the people problems, you know. Uh, but people, you see, here's the thing about, let me say one more thing about people before I conclude. Can I do that? The thing about people is if you love people and invest in people, you're doing the thing that's the closest to God's heart. Where he loves his children. He loves his children. And if you take care of his children, you're taking care of him. You're blessing the Lord when you extend yourself and when you love people and when you don't hate people. I can't believe that we still, we've learned so much as a, as a culture, as a society, as a civilization. We're so technical. There's all kinds of stuff being done over airwaves and all kinds of stuff. This is my backup right here, man. I mean, my, this is my, my brains are in here, as a matter of fact, I think sometimes. Everything's here. My calendar's here. My phone numbers are here. My... My schedule's here. Everything's in here. As a matter of fact, my sermon's even in here. If something happened here, I have it in here. But we still hate people. We still judge people. We still walk in prejudice. When the fact of the matter is that all of God's children have names. 
Lord spoke to me. Pastor's back, because this one's for you. When I, when I, and this is a true story, I'm in my car, I'm hanging on to my steering wheel, I'm starting to complain to the Lord about this and that, uh, these people, how come nobody's serving God? It's, it's the plight of every pastor. Uh, there's no one usually more passionate for the gospel than the pastor who's called to under-shepherd a flock of sheep. And uh, so it can become frustrating at times. And I'm holding on to my steering wheel, and I'm complaining to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord shows me. And I heard something about it, but it just came to my mind. He says, Fernando, he doesn't call me pastor. He says, Fernando, the church is like a bus. People get on. Some people get off. But the driver doesn't take it personally. He doesn't cry and say, more people got off the bus. I lost another family. His job is to take that bus to its destination, the destination that's written over the top of that bus, which for, is heaven, right? That's our job, just above the windshield. So the message for the pastors and the leaders is just keep driving that bus. Just keep driving the bus. Keep going where you're supposed to go. Some will get on. Some will get off. Unless some people get off, there won't be room for others. Sometimes you have to lose a few people to gain other people that will go the whole journey with you. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some people in the church that will just say, I'm saved. I'm devoting myself. Pastor, I'm your armor bearer. I'm here to go for the long haul. Some people get on the bus. Some people get off. But I'm hanging on. I'm going to go through it because I trust God. I'm saved. I understand the dynamic of devoting myself to Jesus. Your salvation experience and your walk with God is totally dependent or you're codependent on pastors or leaders or anyone else. Probably be one that get off. How many here are willing to devote themselves to the things of God? I mean, really, devote themselves to the things of God. How many here are willing to devote yourself to the call of God? And if you're here and you're lost, and please don't be offended by that either. You know, you could be, if you're new here and you say, well, they're calling me lost. That offends me. Don't be offended because anytime I lose something, that becomes my top priority. You ever lose your keys? Everything stops. We're not going anywhere. Wait, my keys. So if you're lost, you're, you're the focus of our love and attention. You're special. We want to find you. We want to help you. 